Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Faith FM Network, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, depending on where you are in this amazing country that we call home, or wherever you are around the world, if you are listening to us online via faithfm.com.au or via the TuneIn app. This is The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon, and Mon will be here in just a moment, but she is not with me right now. And we are going to have an amazing day, but before we get into today's show, let me tell you what's coming up, because I know what is coming up, because you are listening to The Delayed Broadcast. Let me tell you about The Delayed Broadcast. The Delayed Broadcast is the disadvantageous way of listening to The Breakfast Show. So if you would like to get... Get up with the times and join us on the live show, then it's very, very simple. You simply go to faithfm.com.au on your computer and press play. Alternatively, which is the way that I listen to Faith FM, you can go to the TuneIn app, download it to your phone. Uh, When it comes through and asks you for the free trial, just ignore that, hit the X on the top of the page and it will just start working. Then you simply look for, search for Faith FM Australia Put it in your favourites and away you go. You get a perfect signal anywhere in the world by using the Faith FM Australia uh, tune-in radio. So that's the best way to do it and you'll be able to participate in the show and take part in all of the different things that we have happening today. In fact, we had somebody, we had two people who called in today that wanted to talk about what we were talking about, not realising they were listening to the delayed broadcast. And so if you would like to be listening to the live one, that's how it is done. Anyway, coming up in today's show, we are going to talk about the trouble in Jerusalem with uh, Donald Trump moving the uh, embassy to the city of Jerusalem, which has caused the deaths, obviously, and predictably of many, many people and painted a large target on the back of every American citizen that there is in the world. And one would wonder why we'd do such a thing. We're going to look at it from a biblical perspective. Mon has some great news stories coming up. She's going to have, she has a dog story, your daily fluff of the day. If you want to see the happiest dog ever, then just go to our Facebook page. We're going to interview Mark Wilson, international adventurer, traveler, lecturer who is doing a series of presentations on uh, Egypt and the Middle East in Adelaide. We're going to give you details about that. We're going to get some uh, tidbits of information from Mark to describe to us what that is all about. We are going to look in our encounter with God into the parable of the ten virgins. Who is this mysterious group of young ladies and how does their message apply to us today? So that's all coming up in today's show, along with some great music and a great quiz, a question of the day, and all the usual segments a giveaway right at the end. So stay tuned. More great programming and music coming up right now. Knowing my heart's cry for freedom, longing to flood your love into the pain of emptiness. To open my eyes to unquenchable love that gave everything for my freedom, even my Savior's blood. He is wonderful. No one is like him. His love unfailing. Asking, where are you? 
was hiding for The shame of my nakedness Trying to cover myself in vain You came to me with your own white garment You came to me by your sacrifice He is wonderful up on me by now but you were right here you stayed right here your love goes deeper than I ever knew from the dark depths of despair love lifted me Listening to Melissa Rotto. He is wonderful here on Faith FM. Mon, what's yes. our quiz for today? Okay, so we have a quiz today, and um, you know, I I, uh, I don't want to know. I, I'm trying to decide that I'm going to make this hard. You know, to to keep you confused because I like. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I okay. love confusing me. But do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick something a little bit different today. Mm-hmm. Usually, we do like a who am I or a what city am I? Or sometimes like a what animal or what number am I? This is just a straight up what am I? Oh, uh, what am I? What am I? Okay. Okay. So, okay. Let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. <laughs> Clue number one: Ish Bo Chefs. 
Saul's son was killed while on one of these. I know the answer. Oh, you do? I do. Oh, look at that smug look. If you know the answer, you can give me a call. Something that you like, Mon. Yeah, (laughs) we all do. We all do. Come on now. All right. One eight hundred Faith FM is the number. Bite my tongue. Biting my tongue. Yeah, don't talk about it. Don't (laughs) don't ruin it like you ruined so many other ones. Okay, so many. Come on, you three. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call if you know the answer to our quiz. You can text me zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Do you know what? I'd appreciate it if you could just save these numbers in your phone so I could stop repeating them every day. <laughs> Absolutely, what a great this idea! So just much. say the number, um, or you can even message me on Facebook. Faith FM Australia is our name, and today we are going to give away a Melissa Otto album. If you're not sure who Melissa Otto is, you just heard her song, um, the one we just played there. But Lyle, I have some adorable news. Oh, it's so cute. I love a good happy story that's also just equally as adorable. Okay. So, so is this good, happy, adorable, or like is this um is this another furry one? Yeah, it's, it's a well, furry yeah, story. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, so get ready for your daily fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know how like when you were a kid, you were so annoyed that you couldn't like go and buy like toys and chocolate cake, you know, as much as you wanted and you couldn't wait to be adults, you could just go buy toys <laughs> and chocolate cake. Well, this guy has done exactly that. Um, so there's a there's a vlogger, which is a uh, person who makes Sounds like videos. a story of excess to me. <laughs> no, it's actually super cute. Uh, so I'm sure you remember a couple of months ago, we talked about how the fact that um, Toys R Us are closing uh, a lot of stores, particularly in the UK, a lot of the UK um, Toys R Us are closing down. And uh, so he decided, you know what? And this is a good tip. Anytime a business is closing down, you know, swoop in for the kill like a vulture because you get good sales. So he goes to his local Toys R Us closing sale. And not only does he buy like one or two, he buys the entire selection of ball pit balls. You know how like you see those ball pits for kids and they're like all the different oh, colored okay. plastic yeah, balls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go and, and jump the, in them and stuff. Yeah the, yeah, the kids can go climb them. So he bought all of them for a heavily discounted price. <laughs> he goes back to his home, right? He like shuts a few bedroom doors and then empties them all into his hallway and then lets his dog loose and his dog just loves it. <laughs> he said he wanted to make his dog the happiest dog in the world and it's it's a husky and the husky is just losing his mind with happiness, bouncing through this hallway of balls. We're going to put this up uh, on Facebook. This is such a funny video. I just... I wish I was a dog so I could do this, but he's done a real good job of making his dog happy. I just have to say, look, look, at, look at him bouncing through that hallway. <laughs> he's beside himself. Look at him go. <laughs> uh, happiness, happiness, happiness. We will put that up on Facebook. But let me tell you something else, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, who, you know what Tesla is, right? Yes. You know who Elon Musk is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know the Australian connection between Elon Musk and, and Australia? Mm, nope. So I didn't know this either. I'm really quite surprised. I thought I was up on my Elon Musk news, but it turns out I'm not. Turns out I'm not either. Okay. That's, that's, that's weird for me. I'm usually up on car stuff. This is battery stuff. Okay. Okay, so South Australia. Um, I didn't realize this, but South Australian homes are actually suffering from frequent and expensive power outages. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the government was in search of a more and cost- New South Wales is not far behind. Oh, seriously. Because our, um, all of our coal-fired power stations are so incredibly old, they're unable to keep running, and there is no political will to build another one to provide for base power. And there's lots of political will for solar, but you can, can never provide base power through solar. 
Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. So the government is in search for a more cost-effective and environmentally friendly backup power, um, backup system for the electricity. Yeah, they have grid. the same problem that we have here, where there's no votes in building a new coal-fired power station. So if you want to stay, if you want to stay in power politically, then you've got to let people go without electricity. Gee whiz. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, all right. So, get this. Um, so, South Australia is, is, is a bit more further down the line with the um, the frequent and, and, uh, and expensive power outages. In, you know, in July 2017, Elon Musk um, offered to build the world's biggest lithium-ion battery as a backup energy source for South Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did know this. I did know this. Yeah, which it, it turns out is, uh, uh, you know, one of a country's most wind power dependent states i didn't know that um so not only that but elon musk wagered he he you know he said that if the battery wasn't switched on within a hundred days of signing the contract he would gift the battery to the state for free um and which is incredible uh so it's been we've got like a hang on it's a 129 megawatt battery has um has been a result of this and apparently stunning success so it's it's resulted in a 90 percent drop in maintenance costs, it's been a cheaper replacement to the fossil fuel dependent system um, that was previously used by the energy market operator, and the battery creates zero carbon emissions. I'm just like, I'm astounded. This is like, wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's also capable of responding to outages like in a matter of seconds, which could not be said for you know, the previous backup systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so within the first four months of being switched on, this battery has already saved consumers an estimated $26 million uh, that's US. It's 35 million Australian um, in maintenance costs to the grid, which makes South Australia the only region which has enjoyed a decline in cost of frequency controlled ancillary services, FCAS, in recent months. So the first four months of operations of – it's called the Hornsdale Power Reserve, um, which is the official name of the, the Tesla big battery, which is actually owned and operated by Niana, something like that. The, freq- uh, the frequency prices went down by 90 90- Ninety um, percent. So that's you know, ninety mm-hmm. percent decrease. So South Australia is now being run off laptop batteries. Batteries. I'm just, I'm just astounded. I feel like I should move to South Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're such a greenie, Mon. This is a, uh, a, a, a um, this is the, ultimate, with, the ultimate greenie story right here. This is going to do with greenery. This is me wanting to save money on my electricity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I got to tell you, I would. I am dead keen to have solar on top of my house as well, along with wind and hydro and whatever else I can have. I would love to. I'm, one day, I'm going to build an off-grid system. Oh yeah, absolutely. Can I be there when you do it so I can learn? I would love to have an off-grid system. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's one of those things that is, things that is going to happen. I have actually dreamed of doing such a thing since since I was like a teenager. I think it's a boy thing. I've I've worked on several off-grid systems. I worked on one in Hawaii one time, the Big Island. It's probably all Are under, you underneath lava now. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a really cool. It was a really cool system. That was a hydro system, and of course they had uh, a constant water supply because they're on the on the wet side of the island, mm-hmm. and so the wet side of the island it rains every day. Uh, they have like 12 different, twelve of the 14 different climates that there are in the world exist on the island of Hawaii, Wow, the big island. Uh-huh. And so they have deserts where it never rains and they have areas where it rains every single day. Well, this is the wet side and we built a hydro system there. It was, it was just a thing of beauty. We had a three-inch pipe because, of course, this is America, mm-hmm. going down to uh, dropping 60 feet down to a three-quarter-inch pipe and exiting onto a little um, water turbine. Mm-hmm. And man, you should have seen that thing spin when we turned the water on. It was just howling. I, I didn't the, even know that you'd been to Hawaii. Yeah, I lived there for a month. I had no idea. Built a hydroelectric system. 
All this stuff I didn't know about yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Now, I have a quick question for you. So, this is uh, another story, a quick story. A lady called Sylvia Bloom, uh, she was a secretary in New York City, uh, worked there for most of her life. Um, you know, she earned like a meager annual income, uh, but she did something quite unusual. So, she actually mimicked her boss because, you know, this is back in the in the 50s when uh, secretaries ran their bosses' lives, basically, and uh, including their investments. And so, whenever she would see her boss make a stock pick and purchase it for him, she would buy the same stock for herself, but just like a smaller amount of it, you know, because of her secretary salary. And um, and then she didn't tell anyone about this, but just by following her boss, you know, this big CEO and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. buying all the different stock options that he was buying, when she died, she had $9 million stashed away, <laughs> which is such a cool move. Yeah, yeah, that is. But on the other is. hand, like she did nothing with her $9 million, right? I mean, now she, it's, in, it's, it's gone to charity now. But the she didn't have children to pass it on to? No, it doesn't sound like it, no. Right. She left some of it to friends and family in her will, but the rest is uh, a charity in New York that cares for adults and children who she thought needed it most. But and that's probably a very smart idea because yeah. if you dump a whole bunch of cash onto um, you know, your friends and family, usually it just destroys them. Yeah. You're much better off to if – you've got, if you've got a large amount of money, you are far better off to leave it to charity. It will go to much better use. But why would you wait until you died? Would, um, would you wait until you died to dispose of $9 million? I would get that done before I, before I left. The yeah, you can't take it with you, so um, use it right now and use it for spreading the gospel. This is Sailor with His Eye is on the Sparrow.
You were listening to His Eye is on the Sparrow by Sila here on Faith FM. Mond, we have another clue for our quiz. Mm-hmm. I shall do. Okay, I'm so. Biting my tongue. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Lyle yes. has a terrible habit no. of talking about. The, I don't have a terrible habit. He has a terrible habit of talking about the quiz clue, and then as he's discussing it, he'll actually give it away the answer. <laughs> so he, he's done it several times. I'm not now. going to say anything about. Can we mute his microphone, please? Okay, so clue number two. What am I? No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under this. And there's a hint. It isn't a bushel. Don't call me and say bushel. That's the extra hint you're getting today. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under this. Give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. We will give you a Melissa Otto album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, this morning I thought we might talk about the uh, ongoing violence in um, Israel, mm-hmm. the Gaza Strip. Yep. And, you know, this has been something that's been taking place over the last few days. And I, I find it particularly disturbing because the, there's a number of questions that go through my mind. Okay, Donald Trump has made this uh, decision to move the embassy from uh, Tel Aviv, the capital of Israel, to mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, which is you know, possibly the spiritual center of Israel. And in doing so, of course, that's an incredibly inflammatory move. Mm-hmm. Um in relationship to all of the, you know, the, the, the politics in the Middle <coughs> East. And so the question that's been going through my mind is this. Okay, from a foreign policy perspective, what possible benefit is gained from this move? No, I, I can't see any. I mean, it's painted a massive target on the back of every American anywhere in the world. And, you know, I'm particularly sensitive to that. My wife is American. My two sons uh, have American citizenship. And so automatically they have a massive target painted on their back just because Donald Trump decided that he would do this. The second thing that goes through my mind is, okay, it, it's, it's painted this target, but could, is it possible that you could do make a move like this and not know that it's going to cause bloodshed and people losing their lives. But surely he would have been so then, So then who is going to be, who is responsible for all of those lives lost? Now, certainly I, I, I accept, absolutely accept that, um, that uh, you know, people, have, people are responsible for themselves and if you go up to the, the, the border there at Gaza and decide to start protesting, that, yeah, you have every likelihood of dying and people need to take that kind of responsibility. But surely Donald Trump knew, okay, this is going to cost lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what benefit do you gain? What, 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 what benefit from foreign policy, international benefit, do you gain by moving this apart from loss of life and painting a big old target on every American citizen does in it, the world? Does it give him a reason to strike back? Like he basically like almost like asked for it in some, you know, which is a terrible phrase. But now he has like a reason to strike back. Is that what he's? I don't know. Is am I conspiracy theorying here? You know, I just I find it difficult. Okay, so here's the conclusion I've come to. Go on. It has nothing to do with international politics. What's it got to do with? It's all about domestic politics. In that. It's all about gaining votes from evangelical Christians in the United States who believe that Jesus can never return while ever there is peace in the Middle East. So Jesus can't return while there's peace in the Middle East. Absolutely, a lot of the vast majority of evangelical Americans, um, and this is really is a distinctly uh, an American thing, in, in many ways, believe that Jesus cannot return unless the Battle of Armageddon takes place, 
which is a battle that they see as taking place in northern Israel in the valley of Megiddo. Okay. So unless that particular battle takes place, Jesus can never return. So whatever there is peace in the Middle East, we know that Jesus can't come back. So, But how does that help out Donald Trump? Okay, so Donald Trump then moves the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. He knows that that's going to cause conflict and strife, and it's going to ensure that peace does not come to that nation, and therefore um, evangelicals in America can, can uh, rest easy can rest easy about... Um, Jesus not coming. Yeah, well, well uh, yeah, Jesus not coming mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's warfare over there, and then uh, you know, so so then he can get their votes. But so it's all about getting votes. I doesn't make sense. Jesus not coming equals them voting for Donald Trump. So if Jesus no. was coming, what would they be doing differently? No, no, Jesus. Okay, peace in the Middle East means Jesus is not coming, so they won't vote for Donald Trump. Okay. So they want to vote for Jesus to come, so they vote for war in the Middle East. Oh, they're voting for ah, okay, I got you yep. now. They yep. want Jesus. so it's all about domestic politics. He's just chasing. He's just he he knows he's an unpopular president. And he's just chasing votes. They want Jesus to come, so they're going to vote for the guy who stirs up this war, so that you know the the, the prophecy that they think is you know true will be fulfilled. And then the, oh, this is so it is messed stupid. up. It is seriously seriously messed up because the Bible speaks nothing about a war in the Valley of Megiddo. So where do they get this information from? It comes from the the prophecy about the Battle of Armageddon, mm-hmm. not the Battle of Megiddo. Okay. Okay, and this is a, there's, a, there's a distinct difference. The Valley of Megiddo is a valley. Mm-hmm. The word Armageddon has the Hebrew pre- prefix ha at the beginning of it, which is the prefix that we use, the equivalent of mount. Mm-hmm. Mount Megiddo is an entirely different place from the Valley of Megiddo. In fact, a mountain is the opposite of a valley, right? Yeah. So why are they looking at the Valley of Megiddo and like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a, uh, a, a battle in the Valley of, of, uh, of Megiddo? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to have the battle in the Valley of Megiddo. The, but if you go, I, I was there a couple of years ago. It is way too small. You can't have, you know, all of these. You can't have a worldwide conflict in an area that small. Maybe we need to take all the invalid. This, this, is, this is a valley that's like a fraction the size of the Hunter Valley. Oh, put really? it in perspective. Really? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Fraction the size of the Hunter Valley, and you're going to have a ma- you're going to have World War Three there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, come on. I think these evangelical Christians need to go for a little Bible tour and uh, and maybe visit this. Okay, and just read what the Bible says because the Bible does not say the Valley of Megiddo. It says the Mountain of Megiddo. Okay. There is no such place as the Mountain of Megiddo. That mountain does not exist anywhere in the world. It never has. And so then you've got to look at the meaning of the word. It simply means a mountain of slaughter. And it refers to the battle that God will fight when God comes back and destroys the wicked here on this planet. Okay. Which is very, very simple. You know, the, yes, that, that, that is exactly what it's talking about there. But the other thing that they miss is this prophecy that Jesus made because you have this thing, oh, we have to back Israel. And I'm thinking, okay, why do they back Israel instead of the Palestinians? You know, the Israelis came in, they stole the land off the Palestinians, um, they formed their nation. And maybe you've got an opinion on this. I, I, hey, please call me. And yet they will back Israel rather than the Palestinians when they have more in common with the Palestinians religiously than they do with Israel. Okay. You think about it. Yeah. Okay. Israel claims that Jesus was the worst imposter that ever lived. Mm-hmm. 
The Palestinians are half Christian, who claim Jesus is their Lord and Saviour. The other half of them are Muslim, who claim that Jesus is uh, al-Messiah, Isa al-Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, mm-hmm. and their Saviour, and is coming back soon. So religiously, we have more in common with Palestine than we do Israel. I'm surprised at that. That's a fact. Uh, a fact that you often don't hear in the media and you don't hear in uh, within religion. But Jesus gave a prophecy a long time ago in which he told a parable of a... Uh, <clears throat> a vineyard. There was a, a certain householder which planted a vineyard and put a hedge around it and dug a wine press in and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went out to a far country. And don't get me wrong, the Palestinians they do some crazy, crazy stuff over there. I'm not. I'm not just saying that the Palestinians I'm not trying to take sides here, just in favour of the Palestinians. I'm just asking you know, what's going on over here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to justify what the Palestinians get into by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus tells this parable of the vineyard. It is a parable of Israel, and the parable tells how that the leaders of Israel destroy the servants of God, the prophets of God. Uh, the people of God, they kill them. And so eventually God says, okay, I will send them my son. They will reverence my son. So he sends them his son. That's Jesus Christ. They say, hey, this is the heir. Let's kill him and let's seize on his inheritance. In other words, the land of Israel. So they, they kill him and throw him out of the garden. And Jesus then asked the Pharisees, what will happen to those farmers? And they're like, oh, well, you know, the, the owner will come and miserably destroy them. And he goes on and he says, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. The kingdom of God has been taken from the nation of Israel and given to the Christian church. God does not support people because of their DNA. Mm. God supports people because of their morality. Mm-hmm. If you've got opinions, give us a call. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. We would love to hear from you. But at this particular time, we're going to listen to Sons of Korah with Psalms 32. Blessed is he who is forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is he who sin the Lord won't count against him in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I was silent, I wasted away Through all my groaning Every night and day Your hand was heavy Upon me My strength was weakened As in the summer heat Acknowledged my sin to you 
And I didn't cover my iniquity I said I'll confess my sin to you And you forgave me the guilt of my sin You were listening to Sums of Cora with Psalms 32 here on Faith FM. And Mon, do we have another clue for our yes. quiz before we go to our guest interview? I'm we have so uh, we have Mark Wilson on the line, and he is oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Okay, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, what am I? Ahab went home, lay on this, and sulked after Naboth refused to sell or trade his vineyard. Yeah, okay. That sort of starts to give it away a little bit there, mm-hmm. but uh, we shall see how we go. Give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you think you know the answer. Now, I've got Mark Wilson on the line from South Australia, and just a little bit of introduction to Mark Wilson. He is, uh, I'm not quite sure how to describe him, an adventurer, a, uh, a, a traveller, a researcher, maybe even an amateur archaeologist. Um, and he's doing a series of presentations in um, in South Australia. I'm going to get him to share the details with us. But, Mark, welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? Am I muted there? Oh, how about now? No, down the bottom. No, not those ones. Hello, Mark. Can you hear us? Yes, Lala, uh, I hear you. Ah, that's better. We had a, quite, a little bit of a technical difficulty there. We were I pressing think, buttons all over the place. I think the technical difficulty well, it is was early me. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you on the show, Mark. And uh, just um, you've got this series coming up, and I'm just looking at the brochure here. It just looks absolutely amazing, and I'm so disappointed that I'm not in South Australia and able to come myself. Called "Amazing Discoveries: Ancient Mysteries Reveal the Future." Now, I understand that you've done a number of research trips to the Middle East in preparation for this series. Is that true? Yes, yes. Uh, I first went over there, oh, probably like 20 years ago, but um, been over a couple of times. Mm-hmm. One trip was three months long. Wow. Um, yeah, okay, so that's, a, that's a very significant research trip so indeed. A quarter of a year. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what kind of countries were you able to visit during that time period? Because some of those countries, of course, we can't get into anymore. No, that's right. Well, um, you know, all the countries of the Middle East, uh, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, um, Lebanon, Israel, Turkey, so forth, Greece, and uh, I noticed you're talking about uh, Iraq. Did you ever make it to Iraq? No, I that closed uh, just uh, before I wanted to go. There was one group uh, that went um, before 
the beginning of the war and so forth over there, but I missed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, next year I, I'm looking forward for the first time to going to Iran. Oh, wow, wow. fantastic. And um, um, what about – you mentioned Syria. You've been to Syria. Yes, yes, been to Aleppo, um, Damascus and so forth, you know, places where there's uh, – obviously you wouldn't want to be walking the streets – there today at the and, moment, and it will probably be a long time before uh, before researchers are allowed back into areas like that again. Yeah, yeah. Look, it it is a tragedy with um, the tensions in the Middle East that come and go, because the whole area is is a tremendous tourist attraction, um, tremendous history, uh, a lot to offer the world, and it's just such a sad thing that you know places like Iraq and Syria and so on. Um, there's so much trouble over there. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a series on, is it archaeology or the Middle East? Or what's your series on? Yes, it's called Amazing Discoveries and um, it's dealing with biblical archaeology, history and, and prophecy in the Middle East. Um, I guess the Middle East is where we go for the cradle of civilization, and archaeology first took its steps there. And what it has to say and, and, and the relevance for today is, is quite astounding. So mm. we like to present that to the public. Sure, I noticed. And, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's of great interest to the public, you know, even today. Yeah, yeah. Lyle just uh, showed me a poster and I am drooling. <laughs> this is an, I'm guessing this is in South Australia, right? Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> you won't be able to go, Mon. Well, You'll be here on radio. We have a lot of listeners from South Australia. In fact, Absolutely. most of our callers come from Adelaide, go New South Australia, and this one, I guess, is just for you then. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know you're going to Israel, and, of course, that's a, an area where there's been a lot of conflict in the last couple of days. Um, do you have any thoughts on – I was just sharing some uh, mm. super controversial thoughts a moment ago on, uh, on what's taking place over there with uh, Donald Trump moving his uh, embassy to Jerusalem. you have any thoughts on that one? <laughs> No, not really. I'm not a, pol- a politician. They can uh, sort that out. I mean, I, I, I love going there, uh, Jerusalem and all the sites in Israel. Sure. So um, when you talk about Israel, what exactly will you be covering in that one? I notice it's, it's, it's subtitled The Search for a Messiah. What will that subject be all about? Give us a give Yeah, us well, a it'll be exactly that. Um, we'll be looking at, uh, well, you know, in Israel, and they've always looked for the coming of a Messiah. Obviously, they still haven't, they don't believe they, they have their Messiah yet. Yet there's been uh, scores and scores of hopeful messiahs down through history. So we're we're looking at the evidence for that, and particularly the the evidence for Jesus as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to deal with um, a little bit of um, history in Israel, but also in a very astounding prediction that was made by a Jewish prophet by the name of Daniel mm-hmm. back in the sixth mm-hmm. century BC. Okay, so just in a nutshell. Uh, just to give our listeners a taste, um, is this prediction one of those you know Nostradamus-like predictions where it's like, yeah, it could be this or it could be that or it could be the other or, or is it a little bit more substantial than that? Look, uh, Nostradamus has had his heyday, but um, it's certainly, I don't think, um, uh, the, the, the issues with you know, predictions like Nostradamus, he made so many of them, but they're cast in such a vague language that nobody... Um, could understand them clearly. And, and one of the things that even the Nostradamus interpreters uh, agree on is that is that no, none of them agree on anything that they interpret except in a few, <laughs> minor, few minor things. Um, because it's cast in such a vague language, there's no link to histo- history or anything like that. Now, when you deal with the predictions or prophecies that are contained in the biblical record, that it, it is a world of difference 
where these are anchored in history. They, um, the details that they're predicting are precise. They're, they're accurate. It's easy to understand. It's not something that's just open for the common interpretation. Okay, Neither so this prophecy that you're going to be looking at about the Messiah is that going to be, you know, because some of the prophecies of the Bible are, you know, very rich in symbolism. Is this a, a, a prophecy that's, in, that's rich in symbolism or is it just, you know, is it one of these prophecies that just says, okay, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and, you know, what, what, kind of a, what kind of a prophecy are we dealing with here? Yeah, no, this is not um, well apocalyptic prophecy that deals with symbols. This is more classical. It's pretty straightforward and easy, you know, to grab hold of. It's a time prophecy, in fact. Um giving a length of time, and both Jews and Christians, uh, historically, I don't know of anyone that interprets this prophecy any different, that these uh, it gives a period of time mm-hmm. uh, in years until the coming of the Messiah, and it gives events for the start of this prophecy and, you know, and what happens and so on. So, you know, it comes from the book of Daniel. We have um, archaeological evidence, I think, uh uh, quite a number of fragments from, from Daniel have been found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls that date at least uh, those Dead Sea stro- Scroll fragments of Daniel back at least to the 2nd century BC. Um, so, you know, there's no way these things could be written after the events of the so-called Messiah or the Messiah of Jesus. Mm, sure, sure, so, sure. Uh, yeah, so when we look at this time prophecy and we just, um, you know, these things are anchored in history, I mean, uh, the kings, the Persian kings it speaks of, have all been discovered archaeologically and so forth. It, uh, it, it's Look, it's a profound thing. Mm, mm. Uh, for How, me, accurate? It is the most How accurate is the prophecy? Uh, well, I, I, do, I believe it's absolutely watertight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that, um, you know, it, it, it almost defies belief sure. when you actually read it and so forth. And um yeah, you know, so I'm not going to go into too much. Detail. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to squeeze some details out of here, Mark. And you're like, yeah, no, I'm going to keep good this. Dodging. I'm, I'm going to keep this for the seminar. So that's that's the great tactic right there. So let's go back to the beginning of the seminar. You go. Your opening night is talking about Egypt, which is one of the most sensational countries there in the Middle East. It's almost like a, a vast, um, you know, open air museum when you go there. What are you talking about in Egypt? Well, in Egypt, we'll, we're going to go and certainly cover the most uh, significant discoveries relating to to Egypt. And, and of course, um, one of the most famous is the discovery of the Rosetta Stone back in 1798, because that really unlocked um, archaeology in a major way with um, the evidence of that Rosetta Stone being found. They were able to decipher the hieroglyphics and, of course, Egyptians wrote all over their tombs and everywhere, and so that helped to unlock and reveal a lot of history about ancient Egypt, and, and also as it impinges on the biblical record as well. I mean, uh, the Bible grows up in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Does the, does the, do, the, do the records that we have from Egypt support the biblical account? I mean, there's a lot of, obviously, uh, interaction between Israel and Egypt. Um, does it support the biblical account, or is it against the biblical account? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, at the moment, there's there's uh, uh, evidence that uh, quite a bit does support the biblical story. You know the accuracy of um, uh, certain kings and and certain battles and so forth like that. One of the big challenges today, one of the big debates today, is the chronology mm-hmm. and whether Egypt, whether the history of Egypt or the archaeological record supports the story of um, Moses and the Israelites coming out in an Exodus and settling in in Palestine and their promised land and so forth like that. Um, 
that is under debate, but it's not an archaeological debate necessarily, but an interpretation of that and, and whether the chronology that's accepted today is correct. Do, we have, do we have an accurate chronology, a trustworthy chronology of ancient Egypt? Well, today, as, as commonly accepted chronology, I would say no. Uh, I would say that one is under debate, mm -hmm. but some very significant scholars are suggesting that chrono the chronology of Egypt needs review. It has been reviewed in the past, and the history and chronology of Egypt has been shortened in the past several times, and now the pressure is on that it needs to be shortened again. Now, sure. Now, I if we look at the history of Persia, for instance, which you were mentioning earlier, we have their chronology, you know, carved in stone because obviously it's linked with, um, you know, you can you can cross link it with so many events that were taking place in the world, along with you know things like astronomy, for instance, and their observations that they were making back then. Do yes. you have that same? Can we can we pinpoint Egyptian chronology in the same way that we can pinpoint Persian chronology? Uh, not not really. Um, going back to the about seventh or eighth century BC. We, we can pinpoint like that. And, and so the dates and, and the chronology of going back to at least to that level is quite accurate and no debate on it. But uh, Egypt uh, or, or chronology going back beyond that, you know, going back 1,000, 2,000 BC, um, chronology of the of other nations around about Egypt at the time are all linked to Egypt. And so it's the Egyptian chronology that it, it goes by. So... Uh, if the if Egyptian chronology is in inaccurate back you know 2000 BC or 1500 BC, then other nations' chronology will be inaccurate as well. Sure. And it's acknowledged there there are problems, but the trouble is no one can agree on what the true chronology should be really. So the the, the debate is still on, and so I kind of say to people who you know might bring up those objections about the evidence of the Exodus and so forth. Well, look, just just hold your seats because you know the the um, uh, the evidence or the absence of evidence is not to evidence of absence. That's right. I mean, we've, we've been down that path many times in, in, in the past where, for instance, um, scholars used to uh, deny the existence of the Hittites um, and then later yeah. found out that this was an empire that rivaled the Assyrian and Egyptian empires. Um, Indeed. And they denied the existence of uh, Belshazzar in Babylon. Are you going to be talking about uh, Belshazzar in – I know this you're talking about – Yes, Iraq. yeah, We'll be showing um, the Nabonidus Cylinder, which contains the name of Belshazzar, and they, they found that name more than once on a number of um, cylinders and so forth they discovered there. So, you know, Iraq is a, is a bit of a treasure trove as well. I just want to get on a plane and go to South Australia right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When does your program start, by the way? Look, we're starting May 19. That's this Saturday night at 7 p.m., it's going to be held in the John McVitie Centre in uh, Smithfield Plains um, near Elizabeth. We have actually an archaeological or an Egyptian exhibit today and tomorrow in the Elizabeth Shopping Centre that's promoting um, the seminar. We've actually got a kind of a replica of a full-size sarcophagus lying there and wow. um, some, some Tutankhamun replicas and so forth promoting the show. Now, is there an entry fee or can anyone come or...? Anyone can come to the meetings. It's free to the public, um, you know, community Beautiful. education. Mm -hmm. So um, we have had quite a number of bookings at this stage, and I think we're going to have a pretty well-packed auditorium when we start on Saturday night. Now, listeners, if you're wondering uh, how to spell all that and wish you'd written it down, don't worry. We're going to put it on our Facebook, and you can access the details there. Just go to our Facebook, Faith FM Australia. We'll have it up by the end of the show. Yeah, and I must say this, um, Mon, you may not have uh, had the privilege of hearing Mark speak, but I was in Rotorua. When, 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 we, when were we in Rotorua, Mark? A couple of years ago, something like that? And yeah, something like that. Mark did, um, you know, I was able to hear Mark speak on these subjects. 
And if you are in the um, area of Elizabeth or even anywhere within an hour's drive of Elizabeth, I would say this is an event that is not to be missed. And if you are further away, then travel in and stay overnight mm. and uh, and at least catch the uh, the opening night and um, and just just head along there and, and and see what's actually taking place because these are really sensational programs. And as Mon said, we're going to throw them up on Facebook. Um, is there a number that we should call or that, that our listeners should call in? Yes, we our, our person organising the event is Matt Matt Hunter and his phone number. Um, is on the brochure, 0425-266-838. Okay, so we'll have that uh, up, on the, up, up, up on our Facebook page as well. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Lyle. Nice to talk to you. And that was Mark Wilson with his program on amazing discoveries taking place in South Australia, in uh, Elizabeth in South Australia. This is Fernando Ortega, Let the Words of My Mouth. Let the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. The meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Strength and
Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible study start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.